Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to St. Matthew's this morning. The bell's ringing, the organ has stopped, the countdown has clicked down to zero. Must be time to start. So a great pleasure and privilege, isn't it, to be able to join together in the worship of the Lord. Uh, so let me begin with a call to worship from Psalm 95. Words that are familiar to us nonetheless remain great. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. I hope to see lots of extolling this morning. We're going to do that as we stand and sing our opening hymn, Ye Servants of God. Let's stand and sing together. seated and uh, can I commend you on excellent extolling it's the best I've heard all day <laughs> uh, let me extend a warm welcome again uh, to our eight o'clock service this morning it's Matthews Manley my name's Scott I'm one of the ministers here lovely to be together lovely to have you groovers online with us as well hope you're in fine voice and spirit and health as well uh, we do have a good morning planned this morning and uh You'll be aware that we're in this series called All Your Heart, which is unpacking the great commands of Jesus to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and of course to love your neighbour as yourself. And today we're zeroing in on that part of the command to love the Lord your God with all your mind. All your mind. I'm going to think about what that might mean to love God with all our mind and how it might shape the kind of stories and messages we listen to and uh, how attentive we are to God and his word with our minds. Uh, I do think sometimes that's an area of the Christian life that we neglect. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to what Deb is going to teach us through the, through the word in the power of the spirit a little bit later on. Right now, though, we are going to um, begin our service with a prayer of preparation, which is going to be up on the screen behind you. Let me just get that up. There we are. Uh, so I invite you to pray this prayer of preparation with me. Together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you 
and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, you'll be aware, friends, that Andrew is uh, away on break this morning. I'm really grateful to Andrew for uh, like so many things. Um, but one of the things I've really appreciated about his ministry among us uh, at St Matthew's here is the way he's brought um, the reading and the uh, uh, really the reciting of the psalms together uh, every morning on Sundays. So today we're going to recite a new psalm together. I mean, it's not new, it's been there forever, but it's the first time for us, Psalm 139, which I'm really pleased to um, be able to pray and recite with you because it is one of my personal favourites uh, and I'm sure many of us will love its words and the tender way it expresses God's intimate knowledge of us. So let's, um, let's say together uh, these excerpts from Psalm 139. Together, praise the Lord. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. For your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You, I saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Amen. He knows us, friends, doesn't he? He really knows us. Well, finally then, let's pray a prayer of confession together. Together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have gone our own way, not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbour as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbour and to live for your honour and glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let me assure you that God is slow to anger and full of compassion. He forgives all who humbly repent and turn to his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom there is no condemnation. What great gospel news that is. Well, friends, it's now time for us to catch up on church news, so um, sit back and um, watch the screen. Well, welcome to church. I'm so glad you are here with us today. Church news is just one way you can find out more about what's going on here at St. Matt's. You can also track down details by heading to the events section on our website or by subscribing to Bruce's weekly email. If you don't currently receive that email and you would like to, there's a box to tick on our online connection card. You can access that by scanning these cards found underneath the seat in front of you. There's also space on there to say hello, ask a question or submit a prayer point. These are also a great way for anyone who is new or visiting with us to let you know you have joined us today. Speaking of those who are new or newish around here, today we're hosting The Scoop again, straight after our service. The Scoop is a sure and sweet chance for you to say g'day to us and for us to say g'day to you, while enjoying a scoop of Anita's gelato on us. They'll be happening out in the courtyard at 10 and 5 and down at the front of the prayer chapel after night church. Well, once a term, we also run on board. This is a night that's designed for any recent arrivals who are considering making St. Matt's their home. We share a little bit about us as a church and what it means to be a contributing member of our community. The next one is on Monday the 6th of March from 7.45pm. 
If you're ready to take the next step with us as a church, we'd love you to join us at On Board. Well, that's all the church news for today. I'll see you later. She's uh, such a happy soul, isn't she, Jamie? Great joy to work with. Um, friends, no scoop for 8 o'clock today, um, but of course there's morning tea in the uh, function room through the, <clears throat> through the courtyard straight afterwards, and I invite you all to join us there. Uh, good to see so many of you that have adopted the, uh, the, the retro but modern uh, technology of the name tag. So let me commend you on that, and let's keep doing that. It makes it easier for us to actually have conversations with one another. You know, when you, you see that person that you've met before, and you think you know their name, but you're not exactly sure, it just helps you be sure. So well done, let me commend you on that. Can I also share, uh, most of you will have caught up with the news that our, our dearly beloved sister Frida uh, passed away uh, a week ago from today. I also need to let you know that her funeral will be, will be on Monday week, so not tomorrow, but the following Monday, the 6th of March, right here at St Matthews. Uh, at 9.45 a.m., so that's first thing Monday morning, 9.45 a.m., and Jess and the family would love um, to, to see you all there. There's going to be a morning tea afterwards, so everyone's invited, and you'd all be welcome to join us. Um, Bruce has also got a piece of news for us, and welcome back to Bruce, uh, and then we'll um, continue to pray together. Good morning, everyone. Before I say anything, Jess, our prayers are with you. Frida was a great lady, and uh, we're all very sad that she is gone, but she's with the Lord, and we rejoice in that. She was a great Christian lady. So, yeah. Um, two things to make mention of. Um, this is Scott's last week, if you're not caught up with the news, and he'll be preaching all day on Sunday, and we'll be farewelling him after the services on Sunday. Uh, at 8.10.5 and 6.30. So if I can encourage you to particularly be here, and my understanding is there will be some sort of special morning tea after the service, and we will be obviously saying a few words uh, to thank Scott for his incredible ministry here over these past nine years. Um, it is worth saying, uh, I know I've just got back, in the email there's been um, announcement if you'd like to give towards Scott's present, um, that you bring money into the office or do a direct deposit and just market the petties. Uh, if you're yet to do that and you'd like to, if you can get that in, that would be a great thing to do. Um, I've just got back and something I've been working on behind the scenes um, ever since I heard about Scott's announcement was obviously Scott's replacement. And I'm very pleased to announce this morning that uh, I've got an appointment that's been made. And uh, many of you may know the person, it's Peter Kerr. Uh, married to Lisa Kerr, formerly Lisa Fabian. Uh, Peter was a member here at St Matthews for quite a number of years. He actually worked part-time on staff for one year. He went through Bible College at SMBC. Um, he's been working at Marrickville Anglican Church for the past six years as an assistant minister, uh, subsequently been ordained. And uh, he is a terrific fellow, terrific couple. And they are very excited to be coming. It's being announced over at Marrickville today. I know they're very sad <laughs> about losing Pete, but uh, I'm very excited about gaining Pete. He's going to be in a similar but uh, different role to Scott's um, here at St Matthews. Uh, I'll explain how we're going to reorganise uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Now's not the day to do that. Uh, now's just to let you know that there is a replacement coming. Um, he's going to be finishing up, I think, sometime in May and will be here, I think, uh, about this early June is what uh, we're working on. And so there'll be obviously a period in between that, but I'm delighted to make that announcement today. If you've got any questions about it, uh, please come and see me. But one of the things that uh, people say about Pete, everyone who's met Pete loves Pete. Uh, he's just a terrific man of God and uh, a great addition to the team. Anyway, that's it from me. And I have no idea what's happening next because I'm literally just back on deck. What's happening next? We're praying. Yeah, I'm getting off. Oh, I thought he was never going to leave. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm super excited about Pete too. He's a, I love Pete. I'm sure you will as well. Friends, let's, uh, let's pray together. Well, our loving Heavenly Father, we ask that you might quieten our minds and still our, our hearts. And we thank and praise you for your rich mercy and your unequaled 
glory. And may we never tire of giving you the honour you deserve. And please forgive us when we lose our way and we bizarrely, strangely, and yet so naturally take our eyes off you. Heavenly Father, this morning we continue to pray for Ukraine a year after hostilities with Russia first began. We ask that you might intervene and bring a lasting peace quickly. And in the meantime, we pray that attacks on civilians and civilian infrastructure would cease. I want to give you thanks that Ukraine is receiving much needed support from a wide range of allies. And we want to give you thanks for the many Ukrainians who've been able to relocate to safe countries. So we pray for ongoing support in the coming years of resettlement and the processing of the traumas of war. Much closer to our shores, Heavenly Father, we continue to lift up before you the New South Wales Surf Life Saving Championships that are being held at uh, North Stain, Queensy and Freshwater Beaches. We continue to ask that there might be a safe carnival, carnival for all competitors and for those travelling into Manly. And we want to especially bring before you the chaplains who are servicing those beaches and clubs. And we think of Ken Buckley, Rich Wendon, Veronique, Mark Gilbert and Andrea Baum. And we ask that you might help them to be helpful in any situation where their assistance is required, but especially that there might be openings and opportunities to have good conversations about Jesus with competitors and officials and spectators as well. We continue to pray for our mission partners, and this morning we lift before you David and Leonie Painter, uh, who've previously been serving in Cambodia and are currently in a time of transition. So we bring before you our sister Leonie as she recovers from recent chemo treatment. And we also ask for Dave that you would continue to sustain him as he cares for his frail and aging parents. We also ask for Dave that he might be able to find a suitable ministry position but we give you thanks that they are feeling well cared for through these difficult seasons of trial. And Father God, as our growth groups have just started up and the Night Church ones are about to, we want to thank you for the opportunity the Night Church crowd have had for their fireside evenings that have been so uh, encouraging. And we want to pray that as all our growth groups start up, there would be a renewed commitment to gather together. That is, people would be committed one, to one another enough to turn up week by week and committed to you as well to study your word and to encourage one another in the Christian walk. And we ask, especially during this series called All Your Heart, that focuses on godly habits, that we would each take time to reflect on you as you reveal yourself in your scriptures, your infinite power and grace and love, your plan to save your people and to be our loving heavenly father, but also one who wants to shape us increasingly into the likeness of Jesus. So we pray that that might happen um, during this term. We also bring before you some of our dearly loved families from St Matthews who are in grief. And so we do pray for the family of Frida Brown, as we've just shared, and also Arnold Gorrell, and also for Katie Smith, who's known to so many of us, whose father in the UK has just passed away. We ask that uh, each of these families might be comforted, that you might give them a peace which passes human understanding that we might not grieve as those without hope. Well, finally, Father God, you bless us each day with the gift of life and relationships and with simple pleasures that can bring us joy. We ask that you might keep shaping our disciplines of humbly reading your word, praying to you and seeking your wisdom. And in response to your great love and goodness, help us to always choose your way. Amen. Well, friends, we're going to finish our time of prayer together by saying or praying the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we are about to uh, sing our second hymn, which is our collection hymn, May the Mind of Christ My Saviour, after which Larry will bring us the Bible reading, and then Deb will bring us the message. Let's stand and sing together.
Good morning. This morning's reading is from the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 4, verses 5 to 8, uh, which we found on page 179 in the Church Bibles. And the reading uh, is from Moses speaking to God's chosen people. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear, who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Second reading is also from Deuteronomy, a couple of pages over on page 182, chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. I feel like I just need to uh, pray using the words of that hymn that we just did. So let's just pray the first words. May the mind of Christ our Saviour live in us from day to day by his love and power controlling all we do and say. Amen. Well, we're in the middle of the series, as Scott said, uh, week four reflecting on God's command to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And today we're looking at loving God with our mind and we're also tying it in this series to the Godly Habits. So most of you will be familiar with the Godly Habits book and today the Godly Habits section that we're tying this love your mind to are Godly Habit relating to scripture and godly habits relating to technology. Scripture and technology, two of my absolutely favourite things. Now, when not long after I became a Christian, I just need to go back, I seem to have flicked through, not long after I became a Christian, I considered doing some more formal Bible study. But I was told that what I really needed to do was just to have faith in Jesus, trust him, and that if I did anything more formal than just read my Bible every day, I would be too academic, you know, too dry. And so not, don't do that. So I didn't do that then. But eventually I did go and do a theology degree because I just wanted to know God better. I didn't want to be in ministry or go off and be a missionary or do anything like that. I just wanted to know God better and I wanted to know his uh, word better. And one night I was writing an essay and actually, the experience is so strong that I actually thought I should go look for that essay. So I found the essay, and this was the question. According to the book of Deuteronomy, is the land of Canaan a gift or a reward for obedience? What are the implications for Christian ethics? So it was academic. But I had this amazing spiritual experience. I was in front of the computer, which was huge, because all huge computers were huge, right? The monitors were huge, the towels were huge, and I was clacking away because the keyboards used to go clack, 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 and you might still have one of those at home, one of the clacking ones. And I was referencing a passage, and I can still remember myself sitting there, and I was reading Deuteronomy, and I was running late because I always ran late. And suddenly, the grace and the goodness of God in the words of Deuteronomy overcame me. And suddenly, as I read the word, even as I was referencing I was in tears about the grace and the goodness of God. Absolutely 
couldn't move on. God was doing a word in my heart. He was doing a word in my mind, doing a work in my mind because I was writing an essay and high distinction for that essay. So he did the work, but he also did it in my heart. And I was changed after that. And I think this verse from uh, Psalm 119 sums up my experience that night. I'll praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. My heart was changed and I praised him as I was learning his righteous laws. And that's what came to me as I prepared for what it means to love the Lord with all your mind. It's a memory that ties our hearts, our minds and scripture together. And if we consider my clacking computer, which we will come back to, technology as well. So we're going to start with the obvious question, which is what is the mind? What do you think the mind is? And what about emotions? Do emotions fit in anywhere in the mind? I looked up a definition and all of these words came up in the definition, but look at the ones that are circled in red. Emotions, desires, unconscious, sensations. This is from the Encyclopedia Britannica. Even the Encyclopedia Britannica can't separate our mind from other, other things because we're one. God has made us one. We can't separate out the mind. When I'm writing that essay, the whole of me was in on writing that essay. My mind was in on writing that essay. My heart was in on writing that essay. I was all in, and that's what we're normally like. But even though we can't really separate ourselves off into parts, I'm going to separate them for today, and I'm going to think of the mind as the part of us, Nadia, get this going. There we go. Sorry about that. The part of us that thinks, the part of us that learns, decides and knows. So something conscious that goes on in our minds. And I'm going to drill down a little further and we're going to look at using our minds in two ways. First, to know God and love God and know God and then to love, use our minds to work for God. So first to know him. Now a premise. To love someone with all your heart, you need to have a relationship and know something about them. You're going to have to use your mind to learn about them. So even if you meet someone and you have a gut reaction and you think, well, not always, you know, I have a gut reaction with people, you're still going to process with your mind how to respond to that gut reaction. Am I going to push into that relationship or am I running away from that relationship? So even our gut reactions get processed with our minds. So when it comes to loving God with all your heart, you'll want to know about him. You'll want to know what's he like. What's he promised? How does he feel about things? What are his plans? And where do I fit into these plans? And even as I say those questions, you might think, oh, I've got a few answers for that. I've got a few answers for that. And you won't get that sort of information by vibing it. You won't just sit there and think to yourself, yep, okay, I just worked out what God is like. Larry read to us this morning from Deuteronomy where Moses is teaching the Israelites God's commandments and he's telling them that they have a God that's near to them, that speaks to them and that wants them to be a wise and understanding people. What he says is that it's to be on their hearts. They should talk about it all the time. Tell their children, carry them around with them, write them everywhere, bind them to their foreheads, which meant think about them. Bind them to your foreheads by thinking about them, which meant bind them to their hands, which meant do them. From the beginning, God's people were to know him. They were to be wise and understanding with their minds as well. And eventually, they would know him even better. They would have that opportunity to know him even better. Everything would find its fulfillment in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because Israel failed to do what God asked of them. And so Jesus did it. And we read this quote from Jeremiah in Hebrews. The covenant I make will them after that time, says the Lord. I will put their laws, my laws in their hearts, and I will write their, my laws on their minds. How would he do that? What's the difference? How would he do that in a way that it hadn't been done before? through the death and resurrection of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Here are two references to the spirit that God promised, that he would pour out his spirit on both men and women in those days. And Jesus said that when he went, he would ask the Father and, he will, and the Father would give another advocate to help them, to be with them forever, the spirit of truth, the spirit that would lead them into all truth. So in our quest to love God with all our mind, we read and study the scripture and as we do that, we need the Holy Spirit to help us and show us the truth and to write it on our hearts. That's why Paul can so confidently say to the Romans, don't conform to the pattern of this world because it's a possibility not to. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind with the truth. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. You will live the way God meant you to live. So as we find out about God and allow our minds to be renewed by God and not the world around us. As we do that, we are transformed. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, our head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. Now we're going to look at two ways that we might approach that reading of the scripture. We're going to look, first of all, at trans reading for transformation, and then we're going to uh, look at reading for the whole story. But the assumption is that you're reading for relationship. You're not reading to tick a box, not reading because someone said you should read the Bible every day. You're reading to have a relationship with God where you become one of these wise and increasingly become a wise and understanding person in the Lord. So one way to read is the hope that God will speak directly for us. That's the most common way most of us read the scripture, that God will speak to us. And here in Psalm 119, Psalm 119 is just full of ways that God uses the word to speak to us. His word blesses us as we seek him. He protects us, encourages us, comforts us, directs us, directs us teaches us, rebukes and corrects us. Perhaps through the scripture speaks directly to a situation that we're in at the time. And many of you have had that experience. I hear people all the, all the time say, and, and I had this problem and then I saw this scripture and God spoke to me through that scripture and I was comforted and I knew what to do next. And that's the way God works. And we, we do that when we read in our quiet times and when we read our devotionals, we're asking God to do that for this day. But another way to read the scripture is to read it for the whole story. And like, they can't be separated, reading scripture for the day and for the whole story, but it's to approach it with a desire to establish a whole framework of truth, not just a verse of the day, not just proof text to answer a curly question, not just a list of do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs, but a full-orbed, spirit-led understanding of who the triune God is in this world as father, creator and sustainer as Son, Saviour and Lord, as Spirit, Advocate and Comforter, a vision how he's worked in history in Jesus Christ, of what he'll do when he comes back, of what we should be doing while we're waiting, a picture of the love and the compassion that he has not just for us as pilgrims in this world, not just for us, but for everyone, for the people around us, for people who are lost and don't know him. And we can ask questions. We can be like Jeremiah. God is robust. We often don't ask questions because we're lazy. We often, that, things, that sounds hard? Well, I'll just walk away from it. I won't explore that. But Jeremiah, who was a most trusted and faithful prophet, said to God, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? Do you even ask that question? That's a good question. Do you have other questions? Here we have permission to ask them. We have permission to say to God in the picture of this full-orbed, huge picture of what he's doing in creation, of what he's doing from the beginning to the end, why do you do this this way? And often we don't do that because it's too hard, not because... God won't meet us when we ask those questions. 
And then when our culture asks us questions or challenges our beliefs, we have a firm foundation. We don't just give them a list of rights or wrongs. Well, don't do that because it's wrong. Nor do we water down the gospel. We don't say, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we can fit that into the gospel. No, we tell them the compelling story of God's love from a mind that's informed through the power of the Spirit by the Word of God because Jesus has made it possible. And then when bad things happen to others or when bad things happen to us, we go to God first. We don't go to him last because we tried everything else. We tried all of our own personal controlling mechanisms to fix this situation. We go there first. And as Peter encourages us, we're always ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. So two ways to read scripture. Our daily devotions, are you doing that? And then our bigger picture, what is God doing in this world? So that's using our mind to know God, but what about our using our mind to work for God? In creation, God put Adam and Eve in the garden. They weren't to sit around looking at their navels and trying to work out what their identity is. They had an identity. They were the pinnacle of his creation and they had work to do. He gave, the gave them the job of ordering the garden and they would have had to work out when to plant, when to reap, when to water, all the ways that they were to order the garden. What will we call the animals? They had to work these things out with their minds. Now think about your work. Now some of you don't work for money but you have areas of responsibility. You get up every day, even if your area of responsibility that day is getting your own meals. That's your area of responsibility for the day. Even if your area of responsibility is cleaning the bathroom, it doesn't matter what it is. Every day we get up and God has given us work to do and we have these areas of responsibility. It doesn't matter. Even if you feel limited in them, you have a responsibility and God expects you to fulfill those responsibilities to his glory to do them to the best of your ability. And a lot of that will flow out of the choices that you make with your mind. I will do that or I won't do that. I will do that well or I won't do it quite as well. It's, at staff meetings, we've been studying Philippians and these verses came up this week. God isn't working us all the time, but to allow him to transform us so that we do everything to his glory and fulfill his good purpose, we have to make those choices. If we're regularly allowing God to transform us day by day, we will become people that don't grumble, naturally. Because as we push into God, we won't grumble as much. We won't argue. We will be more loving. But when we notice that we're grumbling or arguing, when we notice things about ourselves, we have to choose. That what we're going to do about that. Some of you may have heard of Brother Lawrence. Some of you heard of Brother Lawrence that did the practice of the presence of God. And he lived in the 17th century and he's an exit. How can one be in a spirit of prayer even while peeling potatoes? That is, how can a person commune with God even while performing the most mundane tasks? His answer, practice. More specifically, the practice of the presence of God. Whatever work God has given us to do, whatever our areas of responsibilities, when we use our mind to do it well, we're loving him. And by practicing his presence with us, by developing godly habits, we practice godly habits and they flow over into our work as we use our minds to do whatever it is he's called us to do. So have a look at godly habits and scripture. There's no point running, me running you through all those suggestions because you can have a look at them yourself. What's your next step for a richer life using your mind in the Bible? What's your next step? Now, at the beginning, I said that the memory of that essay tied together hearts, minds, scripture, and technology, and we've done the three of them, but where does technology fit in? Well, a big part of that memory for me was that old computer, which I loved. And I loved the first 286 that I got back in the day when there was no windows, there was just all that writing on the screen. I loved my first laptop. I loved my first mobile phone. It was like a brick. I almost needed a separate 
bag to carry the huge phone in. My children had their own computers first before anybody else because I used to build them out of spare parts because I had a job fixing computers and if something went wrong, I used to end up with spare parts, so I would build them into computers so that, the, so that they could use them. I love technology, and I still love technology, new technology. But does it ever cause problems for me? Does it ever distract me? Does it ever get in the way? Yes, yes it does, <laughs> absolutely. But it's not just the technology itself that's getting in the way, and that's the problem. Because what technology is, is really just the application of scientific knowledge for practical purposes. That's all it is. In the garden, they applied their knowledge to what they were doing, and they ended up the having some practical outcomes. And the progress of humankind has been the application of scientific knowledge for practical purposes. Now, that's chocolate. Let me tell you about chocolate. For thousands of years, the people of Central America harvested cacao beans from which we get chocolate. They'd applied knowledge to do it efficiently. They had what they needed. It didn't become popular in Europe until the 16th century when they added sugar to counteract the bitterness. But it couldn't be produced in mass amounts, so it was mainly consumed by rich people. And their desire for chocolate created a thriving slave market. A bad result of technology. The Industrial Revolution soon resulted in increased production and the chemists used their scientific knowledge to reduce its bitterness and change its consistency. We liked it even more. We wanted it even more. But the chocolate factories weren't nice places to work. The factories of the Industrial Revolution weren't nice places to work. Bad result. Bad result of technology. And companies like Lindt, Nestle, Fry, they were all involved, even back then, of the, of the um, development and marketing of chocolate for, the consumption, for consumption, and they're still working on it today. There's a huge investment in making sure that chocolate is uh, front and centre in our lives and that we eat a lot of it. There's a chocolate for everyone. It's absolutely ubiquitous and not particularly good for you if you eat a lot of it. Bad result of technology. Cotton mills, coal mines, component production for computers, technico technological applications that have negative aspects. Most beneficial applications have a negative side because many human beings aren't seeking to serve the Lord with all their hearts, minds and strength. And so they're using it to their own ends. And even if the original intention was good, they're used poorly. And what we call modern technology, computers and smartphones and devices and the streaming services and software that control them, had its beginning, really, in the creative ordering of what God had already provided. People just took what was there and they creatively ordered it to, to end up with these technologies. That's not a bad thing in itself. But not everyone uses it to the glory of God. And in the booklet, Scott highlights that it's possible to have the same issues with old technology, like printed material, which was a new technology when it first happened, as new technology. Printed material is old, but it can have damaging content. And damaging content doesn't honour God and leads us down a path of misery. Books don't throw themselves off the shelves and into our hands. We have to choose them. The billboards and posters and magazines, they've been used many ways to deliver content with a view to changing the way that we think and behave, to change the way, what we want and what we want to do and the way we live. An addiction to printed pornographic material is just as damaging as an internet addiction even though we hear about internet porn. Old tech is just as damaging. So it might need as much attention as the new tech. And TV is old tech. What content do you consume on your old tech? How often? And how does your time spent with any old tech compare with your time intentionally engaging with God? Now, new tech doesn't exactly throw itself off the shelves, does it? But does it have to? No because the average Australian picks their phone up 7.8 times an hour. So the phone does not have to jump into your hand, you will pick it up anyway. Now, I don't pick my phone up 7.8 times an hour, but sometimes it's not far away from that and I'm nearly always carrying it. I'm nearly always carrying my phone. 
It's not necessarily bad, but it can be bad. And many people access their Bible on, the on their device. Not necessarily bad, but it can be bad. If we're going to love God with all our hearts and minds, we will have to be honest about the way we use tech, old tech or new tech. And I imagine that mostly here it's old tech. You need to look at that just as much people need to look at new tech. And if you're into new tech like I am, you need to look at it as well. So have a look at your use of technology, old or new. What's your next step for managing technology using your mind to the glory of God, chapter seven. Is it chapter seven? I think it's chapter seven in the booklet. So as I finish, we can't separate loving God with all our mind from loving God with all our heart, but we can use our minds positively. We can use our minds to feed on scripture and to reject conformity to the world as we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us and speak to us and encourage us through it. We can read it to appreciate the bigness of God's story, the bigness of who God is, of the love and compassion that we have to share with the rest of the world, of the centrality of Jesus Christ. And we can find our place in that story who am I now in this culture and in this time? What are you calling to, who are you calling me to be? You can use your mind for that. We can use our minds and abilities to work for his glory in whatever our areas of responsibility are. And as we try to navigate a world full of both old and new tech, we can use our minds to make good choices to the glory of God, to develop good habits to practice the presence of God in our lives. We're going to finish by praying together. And I have some words from Philippians, um, which we'll pray together for each other. So we'll pray it together. And you be thinking of the people around you. Just think that you're encouraging the people around you to have minds full of noble and good things. And God... The God of peace will be with you and he will answer our prayers. So let's pray. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen.
please be seated, eight o'clock. You've been in such fine extolling form this morning. <sighs> Might need a rest. It has been a great morning, hasn't it? And I hope you will take the opportunity to continue fellowship in the function room through the courtyard once our service is done. It's been a great reminder that um, though you, you can't separate hearts and minds, can you? There is something about loving the Lord your God with all your mind because that's how you know people. And as we use our minds to apply it to the scripture by which God has revealed himself in, with the help of his spirit. And as we think about our minds, and just, I mean, Deb's really been helpful in reminding us that the technology can be good or bad. It's got potential for both. Uh, it can inform us. It can distract us. We can hear all sorts of worldly messages and really take them in via our mind and our technology. And yet it also helps us to focus on God's story and our place in it, that sweeping story that we have about him, God, and his plans for the entire cosmos and his purposes for our little lives within it across time and history. What a great reminder. Well, I trust that there are conversations that you'll be able to continue over morning tea and across the day. Uh, I'm going to finish by um, uh, blessing us all with a benediction from uh, Jude 24 and 25. I wonder if Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, realised that we'd be um, reciting these words on like a fortnightly basis throughout all history. Well, to him who was able to keep us from falling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen and Amen. Thank you.